independent media is more important than ever. We don't have a corporate network behind us, and we also don't have big green foundation grants. So we really do need you, and we are actively calling in your direct support so that we can continue exploring many of these topics and perspectives, often sidelined by mainstream media. If you're enjoying our show, please make sure you're subscribed and join us on Patreon today, starting at a tip of just $3 at patreon.com slash green dreamer. Every little bit helps and really adds up. And that is the power in community. So thank you so much for however you're able to support our work. You didn't have to be perfect to make a difference. And that was something that really resonated with me. And I wanted to share this message with everyone. How can we be better communicators so that our important messages actually move people and resonate with our audiences to hopefully inspire action? How can we go beyond reducing single-use plastics in our own lives to affecting greater change in actual waste infrastructures for systemic change? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. Now, I want to take a quick moment to remind you that you can sign up to receive the podcast's weekly highlights at greendreamer.com. I write these myself, and I really, really would love to have you there. So I look forward to connecting. Again, to sign up, you can head to greendreamer.com. And now onto our episode. Let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is a professional actor and the founder of GoingZeroWaste.com, which is a leading blog about zero-waste living. More recently, she became a spokesperson for National Geographic's Planet or Plastic Initiative, which is super impressive. Her approach to inspiring us to reduce our waste is always very positive, understanding, and non-judgmental. And her motto is, it's not about being perfect, it's about making better choices. If you're on your path reducing waste, make sure to check her workout. She always offers very simple and easy tips on what we can do. She inspires me personally so much, and we'll of course learn from her expertise shortly in this episode as well. Green Dreamer starting off with what got her into sustainability. Here's Catherine Kellogg. So my story is a little bit different than most. I was not raised in an eco-friendly home. I didn't know what recycling was until I was 20. My college was running a campaign in Arkansas, not really the most green forward-thinking state in America. And, you know, that's when I learned a little bit more about recycling and what that means. And I had a breast cancer scare around the same time. And I really started looking at what I was putting in and on my body. It was things I had never considered before. I hadn't read the labels and products. I wasn't reading the ingredients and endocrine disruptors, which interfere with our hormones, can disrupt a lot of our functions and they can be found in cleaning products, beauty products, our mattresses, their fire retardants, plastic. There are so many different endocrine disruptors that we come in contact with in our daily life. And I was trying to really balance my hormones. So I switched out my cleaning products to DIY natural cleaning products as a bonus. They saved a lot of money. 
And then I was looking at what I was eating and I adopted a more plant-based diet and I started cooking from scratch and I started trying to avoid plastic around my food and no more plastic water bottles. And a lot of these changes led me down a more environmentally friendly path through the health lens. Mm -hmm. I guess this is kind of, it might be going on a tangent, but why are these endocrine disruptors and like toxic chemicals everywhere in our casual day-to-day lives? Normal cleaning products and That's a really great question. And honestly, I don't know why they're in a lot of our products. It's a lot of them are used as shelf stabilizers. They're used as preservatives. A lot of them are used as fillers and because they're cheaper for manufacturers. I I really haven't fully cracked the code on why they do it, but (laughs) there, there is an answer. Maybe like at first they were supposed to be functional, like you said, some preservatives and stuff like that. And then we didn't fully understand their health impacts before just putting them in everything. Right. I mean, why are receipts lined with BPA? Like, why? I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully this awareness will lead to some healthier changes because it doesn't feel necessary to line that at all, like you said. Um, but okay, with this awareness, what was it that led you to starting your blog, Going Zero Waste? So I was a professional actor. I majored in musical theater. I traveled quite a bit performing, and I met my husband while performing, and he was moving to California. And at the end of our gig, he asked me, he said, will you come with me to California? And I was like, why not? Sure, let's go. Let's go to California. So we wound up moving to California, and the litter problem in the Bay Area is insane. Insane. I have never seen litter like this in my life. And I just had a connection moment where I realized that plastic isn't only bad for my personal health, it's also bad for the health of the environment. And being from Arkansas and living in a non-eco-friendly world, like I said, I didn't have recycling for years, I realized how this information could really help people on multiple levels. Not only could they be helping the planet, they can be helping their health and You didn't have to be perfect to make a difference. And that was something that really resonated with me. And I wanted to share this message with everyone. I wanted everyone to feel like they had the power to make a difference. And they do. And that's why I started my blog. Mm -hmm. So your intention with the blog, um, did you want for this to become like a professional thing? Did you just want to share what you were learning along the way? Because now it is like one of the leading blogs within the zero waste world. And it's super inspiring. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, no, not at all. So my goal has was always, from the time I was three until pretty much a couple years ago, I knew that my career path, I was always going to be a professional actor. I never doubted that for one minute. Like my goal in life or my job in life, what I was going to be was an actor. And when I started this blog, it was really a way to keep in touch with friends and family, being so far away My closest relatives are in Arkansas, which is like a 36-hour drive. Um, I I just wanted a way to connect and to give life updates. I never in a million years expected it to be what it is. For sure. So what do you think is something from your experience acting that supports your work with building up this zero-waste community? I will say that being an actor, I do feel like I have distinct advantages of being able to talk. And I hope it's been apparent so far on the podcast. (laughs) For sure. Such (laughs) a natural. (laughs) Thank you. Um, 
I have a good ability to communicate. Acting is all about communicating a message and it's about how to deliver a message and, and you, how to tell stories. And many times, especially in scientific fields, scientists are not storytellers. And that's something that they talk about all the time is how their inability to really connect. And I think as an actor, that is a place that I can fill because that has always been my job. My job has always been to connect and to tell stories. And I really have appreciated how having the blog has allowed me to tell my story. And so if you were to give advice to someone who feels like they have a really important message they want to share, um, what are some key elements of like being able to communicate deeply with our audiences? I think making it personal. It always has to be personal. It has to resonate with someone on a personal level because I can tell you that there are 8 million tons of plastic dumped in the ocean every year, but that's not really personal. Like, how does that connect to you? How can you quantify those numbers in your mind and relate that to something that deeply affects you? But when you do take it to that personal level, for instance, a, a straw, straws are so popular right now. If we are talking about a straw and how that connects to you because it's something that you use and it's something that can signify a visible change to yourself and finding those small bits to make it something smaller, make it something more digestible, make it something more relatable. Mm -hmm. So we're always trying to make sense of the world. So sometimes these statistics don't really mean as much as some more something more relatable, like you said. Exactly. So in your personal journey going zero waste, what's one of the weirdest things you tried or what's like a weird tip for us in terms of reducing our waste that's not talked about as often? Well, I can tell you my absolute favorite swap that I don't see talked about very often, which is bidet attachments for Ooh. your toilet. <laughs> I need that still. It's life changing. You have to get one. I mean... <laughs> I feel like that's when anyone asks me, I'm like bidet attachments. When my husband and I went on our honeymoon, we were gone from our house, you know, for about 10 days. And the entire time we were just like, man, I just really wish we had a bidet attachment. <laughs> Do you have a favorite brand where you get yours from? I am impartial. So I've had a Brondell, which like you can pick up at Home Depot. I think they're $35 and they're really simple to attach works great. I've also had the Tushy. They both perform the exact same function. I, I believe it's our signature. We we have moved every year since living in California. We've been in California four years. We've moved four times. And leaving bidet attachments behind is like our signature. You know how like <laughs> serial, serial killers have signatures? When we move, we just leave the bidet attachment behind. It's like our signature. That's so funny. So we'll be sure to check out our bidet options. <laughs> and um, so you building up Going Zero Waste as a platform, what's been your personal greatest challenge? My personal greatest challenge is learning to detach myself from the numbers. I think that especially coming from a performing background and, you know, you like applause. You like to connect and you write something and you put your heart into it and you want people to see it and read it and hope that they like it. And it's been difficult to say the numbers don't define me. Like how many people read this is out of my control. 
And if it resonates, great. And if it doesn't, that's okay because my self-worth is not attached to these numbers. And it's been a it was a difficult lesson in the beginning because I know that when the highs were high, I was on top of the world. But when the lows come and the summer slump comes and everyone's out enjoying the summer weather and they're not reading blog posts, you can get kind of upset, especially like I put my heart and soul into this and no one's looking at it. But it's okay because it that's just the way the world works. Yeah. So if you could go back in time um, when you were getting upset about these numbers fluctuating, what would you tell the you back then? Mm. Well, I tell myself probably what my husband told me the entire time, which was it's going to be okay. But it's just really hard to listen to. The only thing that really helps, I think, is time, time and understanding. Well, regardless, I know you get a ton of traffic on your blog, and you've also had some amazing collaboration opportunities from it. What do you think you did that was essential to making all of this happen? Hard work and perseverance. It's always perseverance. You know, and I will say another thing that has really helped being an actor is that is knowing rejection and being a, being having really thick skin, because I can't tell you how many times people just look at you and say, no, you're too fat. You're too skinny. You have too much acne. You're too pretty. I have been told I was too pretty, which did make <laughs> me feel good, but, <laughs> um, good but you know, it's have. Always, yeah, you're, but you're always too something. You're always not right. And you have to learn not to take it personally because it's really not about you. It's about their vision and working in the blogging space. It's very, very similar. It's not always just about you. It's about other factors and you had a really great question that I completely lost track of, and that applied somehow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so really just putting a healthy distance between ourselves and our work. Yes. Yeah, well, you recently also became a spokesperson for National Geographic's Planet or Plastic campaign, which is super impressive. How did this opportunity come about? You know, uh, so Robert Reed, who is the head of PR at Recology, he is a reader of my blog, and he recommended that they call me. So I'm very fortunate. And I'm actually this evening, I'm heading to a dinner at Recology because I was just in uh, the, one of their latest videos about how to recycle properly. And he said he'd like to do more videos with me, which would be amazing. And so it's it's been really neat getting to getting to work with Recology and helping people learn how to sort properly. For sure. That's super exciting. And what's been your biggest insight from this whole experience? Hard work and perseverance. That's where we were. That's where <laughs> going back to that. Yes, that's it. Hard work and perseverance. It's knowing that every day, if you set a goal for yourself in order to achieve it, you have to work really, really hard and writing really good content and being able to talk to people and just making sure that you show up. I mean, showing up really is 90% of the battle. So if you're showing up and you're putting in the work, people will notice, but it does take time. It takes sure. a lot of time. So just keep putting yourself out there. Um, don't take rejections personally. Don't take comments like you're too, whatever, personally, and just keep going. Yes. Yeah. Well, also a few weeks ago on Instagram, um, in your stories, you shared that you were at this event and you didn't bring your own plates, which I don't think most people would think to do anyway. And you ended up showing that you had to use single-use plastic plates at the event and that you weren't going to let that ruin your day. And when I saw that, I felt relieved to see this imperfection from someone who I know cares so deeply about this issue because I care a lot too. And 
I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm scared that people will judge me for being imperfect in sustainable living, even though I say that I care about it a lot, which I do. Um, but I also know, as you've done for me, like sharing my imperfections actually helps other people. So my question is, what are your thoughts on perfectionism within the zero waste movement and sustainability in general? So that is one of the main reasons why I started my blog. My motto is it's not about perfection. It's about making better choices because it's something that resonates so deeply with me, especially being from Arkansas where we didn't have recycling for so long. We certainly don't have curbside composting and so many people live without access to package free products. And the only way to move past this is to accept that not everyone has the same amount of access and know that we're all working for a better future. And for those of us with access that we're saying, Hey, we like this. We're demanding these changes. Let's make them really popular. Let's hopefully make them accessible for everyone, but also working with businesses, working with policymaking and working in all of these fields in order to make the accessibility grow. Mm -hmm. So everyone really has different accessibilities, different backgrounds, different expertise. Like some people are more focused on policy. Some people are more in the business world. So it's just about everybody doing what they can in their own ways. Absolutely. Yeah. And the other thing, this is kind of personal, but something that I've also felt within sustainability is this sense of moral judgment and superiority based on how eco-friendly my lifestyle is compared to someone else's. What do you think are the roots of moral superiority within sustainability and how do you think it impacts the eco-movement? I don't know why people feel the need to have moral superiority. I have no idea what drives them because it's not my personality at all. But these people are in all sorts of places. I mean, religion is the first one that springs to mind of people wanting to have the moral high ground. And I think it just makes them feel better. I don't know why. I, I don't understand it. I, I will say, though, I think that the zero waste movement from what I've seen has been a fairly welcoming community. And I do think we do positivity pretty well because sustainability is so gray. It is so gray. And it's really easy to look at a problem and say, yes, no. It's really difficult to look at a problem and say, well, there are so many small things that we have to take into consideration and then find a way to break all of that down, to take all that information and break all of that information down to make it really understandable. That's much more difficult. It requires a lot more critical thinking, which I think gets to a much larger problem that we're experiencing, which is really lack of critical thinking. Mm. So with you as a leader in the movement, how do you inspire more like deeper thinking? How do you communicate that it's gray? And I do try to encourage critical thinking. And I hope that my blog posts encourage critical thinking. And I hope that they break these big problems down into more simple solutions, but also prove that they're very complex. And I remember I wrote a blog post called What is Zero Waste? What is the Circular Economy? And that post wound up being very long. It was one of the few posts that I've actually vocally recorded so people could listen to it because it was so long. And it was basically a post of, well, then there's this, and then there's this. Mm. And so I just really hope that my blog is encouraging that. And how I try to do it, I try to read a lot 
I read a lot. I read a lot of sources. I read multiple sources. And then I like to include those sources. So that way people can go through and hopefully do their own research as well. And I hope that by encouraging a community of people doing research will help to combat that problem. Yeah. And so National Geographic, along with tons of other organizations and media platforms, are helping to raise awareness for plastic pollution. Um, so I feel like the world definitely is becoming more globally conscious about plastic pollution. What do you think needs to happen beyond this awareness for us to actually move the needle forward? That's a great question. So awareness, I still believe, is the number one obstacle because a lot of people still don't know. Mm. And while there is a lot of great awareness, like you said, I do think it is time to push for a lot of action, but not just action from individuals. We need everyone moving. We need, like I said before, we need businesses, we need policy, we need individuals, we need groups. We need everyone working collectively to make a change. And right now, one of the main problems is actually waste infrastructure. And waste infrastructure is not sexy to talk about. That is that is not sexy, but it's something that's desperately needed because we can go about trying to clean the ocean, but that's great, but it's not, that's the bandaid. That's not the solution to the problem. And so we need waste management and then we need policy to work, working to change the products from the beginning. And I think right now where the awareness level is, it is good, but I think we could really go for some, really go for some policy right now. Mm -hmm. So what do you think we can do as individuals to inspire policy change and to inspire a better infrastructure with waste management? Much more difficult problems <laughs> for people to solve than just saying no to straws when you go out to eat, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm actually in my local government. I, I serve on an advisory commission to the city council. And I took this position because I I love being an active citizen, but also I really wanted to help share this process with other people. I think it's really important. And I think it's this really kind of like foreign, distant, magical, unexplained people thing that people just don't understand, <laughs> right? They don't get it. Um, but most cities have boards and commissions and these boards and commissions are really great to act as liaisons between the city council and the citizens. Because if you just go to a city council meeting, you're going to be given about three minutes to speak at the end of the council meeting, and there's really not going to be much resolved for you. If you can go to a commission, however, you can actually speak with someone that can help you craft your idea, help you craft how you want to present it to the city council, and hopefully have much more connection and much more kind of hand-holding along the way. So I always recommend that people find a commission. Maybe it's a beautification commission, someone that really helps beautifying the city because getting rid of trash and litter, that helps make the city more beautiful. So if you can find a commission like that, you can go, you can approach them, you can chat with them. And maybe your idea is to implement a ban on straws. Now, when we say a ban on straws, we're not talking about getting rid of all straws. It's just a straw on request only policy. So this way, restaurants can't automatically put straws in the drink. Instead, they you have to wait for the customer to ask for one. Mm -hmm. This would significantly cut down on the amount of straws in your town. And so just by talking to these people and coming up with ideas. Maybe it's a bag ban or a bag tax or a coffee cup tax or putting, and then you can use that tax money maybe for education in the school programs. You can even talk to them about getting in touch with the school board, maybe that you want to implement a curriculum or a project. So I actually worked with a teacher on a packet that's called Zero Waste October, specifically designed for teachers. It's a very small book that has 
little days or every day in October, you have a challenge that you can read to the students. It comes with morning announcements that you can read or craft project ideas that you can pitch to art teachers to help kids become more conscious. And just being able to talk to the school board about possibly implementing that in your school system could have a huge positive impact. And there's this really popular saying, which is uh, think globally, act locally. So I think all of us getting involved in our local government would solve a lot of problems. For sure. And where can we find more information about commissions that we can participate in? Like, is all of this online if we just Google search? Yes. So I've Google searched tons of random towns. So you can just type in your city name and then boards and commissions. So you could type in Berkeley boards and commissions or Little Rock boards and commissions. And then your city council website should have a list of these boards and commissions and it will have times where they meet. And this is always open to the public. And then you can just go to the meeting. And they allow people to like voice their opinions and things like that. Yes. Yes. They are. I mean, I obviously I'm only on one in California, but illegally by law, at least here. Yes. Yes. That's what's supposed to happen. (laughs) Awesome. Well, we'll be sure to do a quick research and try to get involved with that. And so with everything that you've done, what are you most proud of having accomplished? That is a great question. I have really never stopped and thought about it. You've done a lot. (laughs) you know my proudest accomplishment is I wrote this song about (laughs) bananas and food waste and a radio station from somewhere in eastern Europe called me and asked me if they could use it for their program about no way (laughs) yes and I have to say that's probably been one of my proudest accomplishments (laughs) I mean people loved it though It made this whole movement fun and entertaining. And I have to say that I am working on a lot more parody songs. I just have to find the time to record them. And also, I have no idea where to shoot the music videos. But as soon as I can figure it out, we're going to have a lot more fun parody songs happening. Yay, I'm so excited. (laughs) So other than this, what are some other upcoming projects that we can look forward to and support? Well, I have a book that is coming out April of next year. And it is called 101 Ways to Go Zero Waste. And where can we follow your work online, follow updates on the book, and follow you on social media? The best place, the home base, to find me is at my blog, which is goingzerowaste.com. And then I'm also on pretty much every platform, but Instagram is where I really like to chat and connect with people. I'm really responsive to my DMs and my inbox. If you have any personal questions you'd like to ask me, please find me there. And I am at going.zero.waste. Before we go into our final five tips for you, I just wanted to say that if you're interested in contributing expert tips for our future Bloom Tuesday episodes, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at hello at greendreamer.com with a little background about your work, your expertise, and what you'd love to share. What I love about sustainability is that there are so many different areas within sustainability and everybody knows a little more than somebody else about some topic. It's super humbling for me to keep this in mind, and I look forward to learning more from you as well. Again, feel welcome to reach out at hello at greendreamer.com. And now on to our final five and key takeaways. Let's power through. What's one inspiring publication or social media account you follow? This doesn't really have anything to do with zero waste, but one of the 
a couple of the accounts that I really like to follow are based in the health and wellness industry, especially because that's where I came from. And I love Allison Wu. And I just love her work so much. Mm-hmm. Is this on Instagram? On It is, yes. And then she also has a blog called Wu Haas. Okay, we'll check that out. What do you tell yourself to stay positive and motivated? I think that's a really great question, especially in environmentalism. We can tend to get really bogged down in a lot of really depressing information. And I think it's really important to stay positive. I don't think people change their habits out of fear. I think they change them out of wanting to do better. And there's this quote I love by Paul Hawken, who wrote Drawdown, which is, this isn't game over, it's game on. Mm, Love that. What's a must do for your health, either daily or weekly? Water. I must drink lots of water. I have a goal of a gallon of water a day. I don't always reach it, but I can just tell in my body, I just feel sluggish. I just don't feel well if I'm not drinking lots of water. Mm -hmm. What's one simple action we can do this week for our planet's health? I'm going to give you four because I'm an overachiever. (laughs) No, this is actually where I tell everyone to start. This is where I tell everyone to start, which is with the big four. And the big four is say no to straws, bring your own reusable grocery bag, bring your own reusable water bottle and say no to takeaway coffee cups. Awesome. We'll keep that in mind. What makes you most hopeful for our planet right now? There are a lot of people out there who are working to, for us to have a better planet. And it's really interesting. Even businesses are this sustainability is the next frontier. It is. And businesses, even ones that you wouldn't even think about being eco-friendly are starting to work on eco-friendly plans. And it is going to take time. Unfortunately, everything takes time. It's a slow moving process, but I am always very, very hopeful when I see new businesses coming up and then also old, very large businesses that have been around for years working on policies in their company that aren't always that aren't even looking to minimize their impact, but actually wanting to have a positive impact, a climate positive plan. And I think that's amazing. I I think this is the future. And honestly, I'm excited. Yeah. Can you share like one pre-existing corporation that was unexpected for this to have happened? This is going to sound probably really odd, but I actually got to sit down and talk with uh, H&M sustainability Mm -hmm. people. And I was actually very impressed with their plan. And I know that a lot of times we associate H&M with fast fashion and, you know, a lot of the not so good things. And so I was generally very shocked that they actually have a climate positive plan where they don't even they don't want to just minimize. But they actually want to have a positive impact on the planet. And I just thought that was really, really neat. And I hope that a lot of other companies take their lead on that and that a lot of them start looking at co- positive climate plans. Mm -hmm. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as green dreamers? Well, my final words of wisdom would just to be to question everything because everything is always changing. Research is always changing and always digging deeper. I don't ever accept anything at face value. And I think that will improve a lot of critical thinking like we talked about earlier. And, you know, it's good to question. Keep asking questions. Green Dreamer here, my two key takeaways. Number one, we have to always make our messages relatable or as much as possible, make them relatable. Statistics are great, but at the end of the day, what moves people is that video of a straw being pulled out of the turtle's nose. It's that video of the starving polar bear digging through the trash can in desperation. It's that powerful and viral image of a seahorse holding on to a pink plastic Q-tip. 
What this means for us is that it can be really powerful for us to share our genuine personal journeys, including all the ups, downs, our challenges and imperfections, in addition to offering the more formal and objective statistics or research findings. Number two, and this is something I'm going to be working on as well, become an active citizen by participating in events that allow us to voice our opinions about what we'd like to see realized within our communities. I'll be looking up commissions in my area that I can join as Catherine suggested. Depending on where you are and how things are run there, look into how you can make your voice heard to influence greater change, whether that's within an organization that you're in, um, the company that you work for, or policy in your local government. Which, if you're in the US, be sure to listen to episode 30, where three green dreamers who know politics and regulations way more than I do share simple tips on what we can do to get started. But there, that's a wrap for this episode. You can find the show notes at greendreamer.com slash 35. Get in touch with me on Instagram at Kamea Shane and feel welcome to email me at hello at greendreamer.com with feedback. And finally, just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and Green Dreamer, I will catch you later.